What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some Dungeons and Dragons. Each week, we, or a listener like you, writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com, come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs and have some fun talking about it. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right. So let's dive right into our first topic this week, which is sort of homebrew. Um... We we've been we've talked about this a little bit. We we've been using the term uh, 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 homebrew light, which uh, Unati from uh, Three Black Halflings is, has been saying for a little while now. But it, it it's how we have been running our games for oh god a long time now. Yeah, and uh, we thought we'd talk about like how we go about doing this in any you know sort of semblance of advice that we could give on what to do with it because I do know that there's a lot of people that run either it's either the book as written or it is uh you know they've taken the book and put it directly into their homebrew world Mm -hmm. you and i we have we do the book we use their setting but we kind of just do whatever we want with the in-between yeah yeah i pretty much do that because i find it a lot easier Um, I used to be that person that would take things directly from the book and I would pretty much just like I had to get the canon right or else it wouldn't be consistent Mm -hmm. and it it put like a lot more work on me to as the DM to kind of compile all the lore necessary to make things make sense Um, Mm -hmm. and like if a player asked a question I had to know the official answer I couldn't just say an answer um so it felt like it was a lot more work, like <laughs> way more work than was necessary for DMing that I learned yeah. now. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 it's so much easier to just kind of do it. I call it like Faerun adjacent. <laughs> yeah, I like that Faerun adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that, that's what that's what we'll, maybe we'll call this one homebrew adjacent. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're taking a lot of the aspects and like the you're you're hitting a lot of the plot points. But when it comes to like the details, like, uh, does Brunor speak like this? Well, you know, he doesn't have to. He can speak like however you want him to. Who mm-hmm. really cares? Except it's your story to tell. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like the the one thing that I've always thought about is I'm just like it's gonna be weird any time that like my players talk to someone who plays in like a very you know, rules, not rules as a way, but like lore as written group because they're going to sound batshit insane. (laughs) (laughs) No, that didn't happen. What do you mean that didn't happen? It's like, no, it was, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, I, I think the main reason why I started doing this stuff was mainly because I would get to something in a pre-written adventure. It wouldn't really tell me anything about, like, let's say, like, an item or something. It's like, oh, who made this item? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I'm, the, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just some dude in 2013 hoping to get this game going. And I, and I just throw out a name. And then later on, I would find out, like, oh no, like Mordecai made that. And I went, and I eventually just went, oh well, he did it in my world. Yeah. I mean, and and, and that was good. It's so freeing when you reach that point too because i there was there's there's a point of contention for me right now i was trying the hardest cuz my big bad in my neverwinter campaign is valindra um mm-hmm. she's this really powerful lich her goal in my world is to essentially uh like take over the sword coast and then from there the world you know that whole shtick um Mm -hmm. and she's got plans on how to do that and i'm like over here thinking okay well why why does she know this person and i'm trying to think like well how do i explain this and how do i explain that but then i realized oh it doesn't have to it doesn't have to do that Mm. at all i could just (laughs) say it's this way and then that's true now (laughs) (laughs) and like once you have that realization that like whatever you end up telling your players that's the canon for your game now Mm -hmm. and like the pressure to like keep things consistent with like the actual quote lore of the DD universe it's like it's it becomes such a weight off your shoulders when you realize that you don't have to follow along you don't have to say that drist was in this place at one point in one time it doesn't matter if he was or wasn't he could be or he can't mm-hmm. be if you decide so. 
Yeah. If a player says, I, hey, was Drist ever in this town up in, Ice, in Icewind Dale? You could decide. You could be like, yeah, yeah, he was. Sure. There's a statue of him <laughs> in the courtyard. They liked him. <laughs> you could decide that. Or you could say, nah, he never actually showed up here and they don't like that. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you, you, the freedom to make those kind of choices is is not easily attainable because it took me a long time to kind of realize that personally um especially since i kind of built my game off of an already established like canon and lore set Mm -hmm. and so having to break away from that to build half of my own (laughs) it, it, it took me a while to accept that um it might just be how my storyteller brain is, or it might just be because I'm a Virgo. You know, you never know. But for me, it was kind of difficult. <laughs> and yeah. so, like, even now, even, like, last week, like I said, I'm still having those revelations of, like, oh, I could just say it <laughs> a totally different way. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, because yeah. it will be true when I say it. Um, I th- this There's a thing that I'll, I'll talk about tomorrow on previously on, but like this week running Descent to Avernus, I realized while talking, I'm like, oh, I think I screwed up how this is, this plot line was supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be this, but I've been presenting it as this. Oh, crap. And then I kind of panicked for a moment. I went, nope, that's just how it is now. I'll figure that out later. I'll... I'll uh, read through all of the minor details that I missed before and just restructure them to work this way. So yeah, sometimes it's a little extra work, but it's one of those things where like, I I've heard, like I've heard people say like on subreddits and stuff like that, where they freak out. Cause they're like, Oh, did I ruin my game because I did it this way? No, no, no. That's Mm-mm. that. That's uh, you did not ruin your game. You'll never ruin your, your game with messing up some information. It, it, it's just like, you <laughs> It's kind of like this is a this is gonna be a weird way to say this an honest lie, like oh yeah you, you know how they said like oh don't lie because then you have to remember you know that lie and you know keep it going and whatnot and it's kind of like that but you can be more upfront with your players you're like hey heads up I totally screwed this thing but we're gonna just play it this way uh, in this campaign and and I've done that with my players I'm like just as a heads up if you ever meet another player that has done this campaign this is gonna sound crazy to them because I screwed this one thing up all the way back at the beginning and we're playing it that way now and y'all seem to be liking it so we're good oh yeah um, I mean like <laughs> Neverwinter's a great guy in my game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. like a point of contention in all these campaign books now because they're all like, oh, he's an ass. And I'm all like, is, is he though? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all my players are confused. It's like, wait, I thought I thought Neverwinter was like a good guy. And I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> he is here, but maybe yeah. not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a great point to bring up. Because <laughs> my players do sometimes ask me, uh, that gets brought up though too when it comes to other streams. Like if they if they don't personally uh, consume like other D and like the, the official D and D material, they will mm-hmm. watch other people's streams. And so like I have my friend Marcos, he watches uh like Chris Perkins a lot of his DMing when he used mm-hmm. to do that. And uh, I have two three of my players watch uh, Critical Role. And so they'd be like, well, what about this god? I'm all like, well, that's not how that god works at all in my game. <laughs> um, like the the Raven Queen was quite a point of like contention where it was like, because I don't watch Critical Role. It's a, uh, and, but Marcos, whose paladin is of the Raven Queen, he's all like, oh, it's the Raven Queen. It's this way. And I'm like, oh no, we should get on the same page about that. <laughs> and I yeah. I remember just sitting down with him and just being like it's it's gonna be like this he's like oh okay because in, in this way it was like this I'm like but I'm not I'm not Matt Mercer I'm sorry <laughs> we're gonna do it this way <laughs> yeah so it's and, like and I do I do think that that's that's something that uh can come up with like the streams and stuff is that you know people do run things differently in that way like you know Matt Mercer with Wild Mountain whatnot uh but. And that can also be another kind of problem with doing the homebrew adjacent is like, I've now played with this world for so long, you know, since 2013, that I have all of this established lore that my players did, but also stuff that I had, you know, them react to or interact with so it's it's quote unquote finger bunnies canon mm-hmm. um so there's i, I have to like kind of keep track of like what i change because if i have a new player come in um I, i'll be like all right listen 
there's some different stuff here. Uh, before you make a character and, and expect something to work this way, it might not actually work that way in mine, um, which I know a lot of homebrewers are used to. This is the, and, and that's kind of where this homebrew adjacent thing comes from. We are essentially homebrewing this, but we're just kind of, instead of coming up with everything, we're, we have these jumping off points. Yeah. We have characters that we can take and change and, and, and don't feel bad about it. I guess like, um, curse of Strahd, uh, no spoilers, but there is a character, uh, in their name, Irina. And I had her be your long lost sister. Yeah. That's not in the book. That's oh. not a thing that Perkins <laughs> wrote down or anything like that, but that's, canon in this world mm -hmm. and uh if i ever have something ever again interact with ravenloft or barovia i gotta remember that to you know keep it going with it yeah so again you know you gotta remember your lies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like that's that's i was talked about uh being consistent with the official lore earlier uh that's the tricky part about kind of writing your own lore as you go is you you kind of want to be consistent with that as well however i yeah. will say it's a lot easier to be consistent with your own as you say lies uh than it is with <laughs> trying to keep up with the story that you didn't write because mm -hmm. like i don't know about you but back when i was like in school writing speeches and stuff that i would say in front of like a class um comparing my own speeches that i'd write for myself to like when i would do acting and you had to memorize like poems or something or soliloquies or mm -hmm. something to just stay in front of the class you didn't write those things you just have to present it and it's like memorizing those things is so much harder than memorizing an entire like eight minute speech that you wrote yourself <laughs> it's just so easier to to remember the things that you create versus trying to remember an entire world that you are learning that's true but at, at the same time like i the reason I don't go full homebrew is one, I don't have the time. <laughs> it's a um, lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work. But like, so have, playing in the established Forgotten Realms world, I have things that instead of me having to sit there and, you know, stare at my whiteboard with, you know, glazed over eyes and my wife comes in and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm planning a game uh, <laughs> um i can just you know go look at a wiki or a book and be like okay cool i'm just gonna use that yeah um and then times where i see opportunity to do things uh you know for my players or you know do a twist or something with that i have no qualms with throwing out what is already there it, it, it's, <laughs> I guess I'm going with the Barbosa. It's more of a guideline <laughs> sort of yeah. thing with uh, with the lore. Oh, I, um, I hundred percent. I pretty much don't really dig in past like the names and the map itself, uh, <laughs> unless like <laughs> it, the source is easily available to me. Like when Storm King's Thunder is came out, that's like such an awesome resource because it gives you like just a single paragraph on an entire town or city, and there you go. That's all you really need mm -hmm. to know. And from there, you can make up your own shit. And <laughs> it's like, it sets up such a, a good base that you can make whatever you want out of it. And like, when we're talking about like Faerun adjacent, that's what I mean. Like, I play with the Faerun map. Like, my players go to Neverwinter. They are mm. in Protector's Enclave. Um, but my Protector's Enclave is radically different <laughs> mm -hmm. than the protector's enclave that is like canon in the sword coast adventurer's guide you know yeah um not to mention i'm playing in a 4e timeline but it's like <laughs> it's whatever floats my my camp my campaign that i, yeah. I like, want to throw in there and there, there it's it's a lot easier when you have that that established map because that's where i start i i just look at the mm -hmm. place like you guys want to go here and then they say yes and i'm like okay and that's where I kind of start homebrewing is like if they want to go someplace. <laughs> okay. I, I I stick a little bit more for mine. I stick a little bit more closer to like lore and stuff like that where with like established locations. I, I think I've actually only ever made up like one location in Forgotten Realms. I don't even remember where it is or what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that I think that mainly comes down to the point of like. I, I don't just enjoy running games and, you know, 
doing podcasts about D&D. Um, I do enjoy, like, diving into D&D. So, like, I do love reading the lore and whatnot and uh, presenting it. But it's it's more of those, like, I present it when it works for the story my players are doing or my players are going towards. Oh, God, um, yeah. There's no need to lore dump at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but but uh but like legendary characters. That's when I really like. That's when I like kind of really try to stick to stuff. Like I've I've brought in characters from streams. Uh, I I had Brian Hussein's uh character in one of mine, and I tried to like I I I didn't I wasn't as familiar with it as I was hoped to be. So I like I I just kind of had her do some stuff but it's stuff that was <laughs> what he what I hope he would do um so with, with those kind of things like I try and stick to it but again they're gonna end up being you know my version of that and I think that's why no matter what like even if you say like oh my world is so you know it's a hundred percent like the forgotten realms it's just like the book said you did something that was you like that mm-hmm. and that's why I th- that's why I, I kind of encourage people to tr- to like kind of break away from that like rigid rigid system of like oh it feels like I'm, I'm you know I'm being locked down to this like no that's the cool thing you're not that's, yeah just don't do that I, mean, <laughs> I wanted to say like the fact that you say the the main thing that you keep on canon is the legendary heroes and stuff like that the legendary characters that's like the number one thing I immediately switch to my own <laughs> oh really yeah um like Valindra, Neverwinter, um there's even like other characters like Felgloss, this dragon. Um mm-hmm. other all the dragons in fact are pretty much like I I just I can't deal with looking at that whole stat block of saying, "Oh, this is their bond, this is their ideal." I'm like, "I I I know that, but <laughs> I'd rather make <laughs> up my own personality for these characters based off of what I know my players will or won't like." And mm-hmm. Like, I've got Jarlaxle coming in at some point in the near future, which my players are aware of, player knowledge, but character knowledge, they have no fucking idea. And I know I would never portray Jarlaxle to the justice that I believe he deserves, so I'm going to play him completely in a different way, (laughs) in a way that I want him (laughs) to be portrayed. Yeah. And he's going to be fabulous, and I can't wait for them to meet him, but... Because I did that once. I had them meet Brunor Battlehammer, and I had... I was like to the T with like Brunor's personality and everything like that. But the players were so like, kind of like meh about it, even though two of them had read like all the Icewind Dale trilogy books and like all of the Driss books. And so they knew who Brunor Battlehammer was, but they were like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Whereas like when it comes to characters that I've adjusted and stuff, they're very much more invested in and they're, they're more intrigued about these guys than, than the classic, uh, characters that they know yeah and, and and i'm but i'm never gonna say it like that is a bad thing i think that is still great like there's still a named hero and whatnot and, and uh they can still take a story like oh yeah no my characters fought alongside you know dristord and or bruno battlehammer or something mm-hmm. like that and i don't i don't think that like just because the personalities or whatnot is different like has to really mess with that it kind of comes down to like like storytelling in general, like when stories go over years and years, like things get changed. You know, people one one group might be like, "Oh, that dude is like the nicest guy ever," and the other and another group might be like, "That guy's kind of a jerk." <laughs> <laughs> so I I kind of feel like that works into the whole like storytelling element of you know telling each other about your games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I I kind of get excited when I hear it. it's just like, "Oh, the, Drist in your game was like that." Oh wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> And it's always hilarious when my players figure out how they're, quote, supposed to be <laughs> after mm-hmm. playing with them for so long in the way that I do them. Because they're like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, God, what character was I had a character at some point that my players found out about, uh, like, outside of the game. And I quickly, like, waved my hands around like, no, 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 no. They're very different in my game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was, but that's, like, one of the few times that I did it. I do know that I changed to Sirac. I, 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 I definitely made him a little bit more goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I had originally introduced um, Artist Simber as this, like, middle-aged, like, 
over the he he's done adventuring kind of guy. He was a mentor to one of the adventurers, and he's just like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I had my adventuring days. Those are over though. And it's like, well, how old are you? And he's like 150, but you're human. He's like, it'd be like that sometimes. And yeah. <laughs> and it's like he was totally this more of this dad character. And I remember those players switching into Tomb of Annihilation, and they're like, oh, it's Art of Simber, and they were like, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this is a different one. <laughs> because <laughs> i wanted this artist simmer to be very different from the one that was like the doting dad figure of the group to very much a i need to do this for a reason kind of person where yeah. he, he had major motivations whereas the other one was kind of aloof and like i i gotta you know keep my head down <laughs> our artist simber was one backstory that i fucked up oh yeah um yeah no i i screwed up a lot of stuff there so i actually ended up having to take out a notepad and then write out what my timeline of Archisimber was. Oh yeah. Um and, and it was one of those again where it's just like, ah, it's not a big deal. I'm just gonna bullet point this out real quick. Um Yeah. But yeah. It's okay. So you mentioned timeline. Um I, mm-hmm. I've I've said it before on this podcast that I've I've literally written a book for my player <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about uh, a piece of canon that is not like in this five E canon. Um it was a, pretty much a book all about the spell plague that uh, Spencer could read. And um, I also made another one that is essentially, it's not a book, but it's more like this really big scroll, so to speak. So I didn't actually like print it out, um, mm-hmm. but it's the official timeline of Neverwinter. And it was mostly oh. for me because like I mentioned before, Neverwinter currently is in the 4E timeline and we're in 5E mm-hmm. timeline rules though. So, like, the rest of the world is, like, in 5e, and the Neverwinter is, like, in 4e. So I had to sit down and, like, write out what the fuck is happening and how it got there, because I was just getting lost so often. Like, they'd be like, well, how long has the spell plague been happening? I'd be like, a hundred years? And then they'd be like, well, wait, if this thing has been happening for 50 years and this this has been gone for a hundred, did they leave when the spell plague happened? I'm like, no, they left before then. (laughs) And so... Like I was talking about earlier, like with the consistency, it's like actually writing it down helped me so mm-hmm. much. And I, I remember showing it to to the group, you know, like, yeah, if you guys want to look at this timeline, you're totally able to because it's a, it's a scroll that Roland now has. <laughs> but it was like it was one, it was fun writing down my own canon yep. for this. Exactly. For this city. And two, it helped me solidify all the friggin' changes that I made to that city because mm-hmm. they weren't small because <laughs> like those changes affected like the, the status of like gods and stuff too, because mm-hmm. like, if you're unfamiliar with the spell plague, th- that really fucked up some things. Like the weave itself is fractured. Like gods died because of that. And it's like, I I needed to establish what yeah. that actually meant to the world and actually writing <laughs> down was so rewarding. <laughs> but I, I will like, I will say you guys uh, making Knights of Skyreach back in our original campaign that started off this whole MCU style, you know, thing I've got going on. That has been the greatest scapegoat in the fucking world <laughs> for me, because I'll be honest, I'm not well versed in Harper, Lords Alliance, uh, uh, Gauntlet. I'm not well versed in their lore, so most of the time I can just go, "It's the Knights of Skyreach." I I've, I can just make up whatever. <laughs> I can put whatever of y'all's characters mm-hmm. in there that fits it best, and I don't have to worry about fucking up any of that lore <laughs> oh, yeah. i mean like because that's the biggest fear that i have as like the storyteller is fucking up the actual storytelling process even though it's a story i'm making up mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like i 100 get that which is why i totally waylaid the concept of the harpers and made my own spy organization the same with the zimtarum and everything like that so it's like I do use the Zimtarum though; they're pretty sick. <laughs> they are. I, I keep the base like operations of what they are, but um, I've adjusted heavily on like where they operate out of, how yeah. they operate exactly. Like, uh, and and when they get thrown into like actual books, like um, there's a moment when the Zimtarum are involved in Storm King's Thunder, and it's like my players were like, "Oh, oh, it's the Zimtarum." It's like, "What do we know about the Zimtarum?" And I, I tell them, they're like oh, why are they here? (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, okay, this is a point where I actually don't know that answer. Um, Let me give you a reason why. (laughs) (laughs) 
and and though and I found that those moments can end up building some awesome story. Oh yeah. Like the, a lot of times, the ones where you just come up to make up an answer for something the book doesn't have, man, some fun stuffs come out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, some of the best stories that have come out of our our Neverwinter group is the stories that my players like started. Like they would mm-hmm. ask questions, and I wouldn't have an answer for it, and so then I would kind of make something up and then they would respond to it saying oh is it like this and then i would think to myself not saying out loud yeah that's a way better way of doing it i'm gonna say yes to that (laughs) usually that's how the greater stories came out is me thinking Mm -hmm. that's a better way of doing it yes you're right on point (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i i like it's definitely a long-term investment but i'd have to say like the the best piece of advice i could i could give for someone to like pull off this kind of stuff is to do the everything's connected sort of thing so like you can just start pulling in like stuff that your old players did and that's the lore and that's you don't have to sit there and be like oh well how did it actually happen just use what you already did and that's the lore like that that's what your players are playing with mhm no, hundred percent. Like the the advice I'd give is is don't let your insecurities about the official D and D lore and canon keep you yeah. from making your own story. Because let, let, it's let me a put lot. it this way with that. Chris Perkins does that live on stage with Penny Arcade. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Jeremy Crawford does it now, but like back in the day, Chris didn't give a crap up in that stage about lore. There, there's a I won't spoil which one, but there's an episode where they just go to the Wizards of the Coast headquarters <laughs> and they meet Chris Perkins because just whatever. Like that, it's like, hey, if if the dude that's like heading up writing this stuff's doing it, just do it. Like it's it's fine. Don't yeah. freak out about going against the book yeah because as soon as you as soon as you hit that realization and it will hit you over and over and over again trust me um it it feels so nice it's so freeing you you worry so much less just be sure to write things down every now and then about what you're changing for your own sake (laughs) absolutely absolutely i I think that's a great way to end that first topic Mm -hmm. so uh we are actually going to jump over into uh let's do let's do our dc spotlight first yeah uh, our DC spotlight this week uh, is on DMs Guild, and it is by uh, Josh Simmons, uh, who's real cool dude on Twitter. You should go find him. We I, I think I retweet him quite a bit. Uh, but he made a new class, or not new class, a, a new race variant uh, for goblins, which is the Dice Goblin. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I like. I saw him tweet about this the other day. I immediately fell in love without even looking at it, and uh, checking this thing out. This is just it's fantastic it, it's 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 a dollar so you in the best part is you can do the the full free preview so you can check it out first to make sure you want to spend a dollar on it but it's a dollar just get it it's real cool mm-hmm. um and it adds just it, it, like my favorite thing about it is that it it lets you be uh Allie's player taylor because <laughs> there's one ability where you get a bonus if you seek out the specific die for that specific check yeah, it's-, it's like oh, I'm doing an uh, I'm doing an athletics check. Let me get my athletics check die. <laughs> so I don't know how well the mic is gonna pick this up, but this is Taylor's bag of dice. <laughs> yeah, one of these days Someone I'm gonna take a picture. Some good ASMR right there. Yeah, I'm gonna take a picture of that and just show you guys because it's 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 impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. Uh, I the first time I played at a game with her, that was her whole play space was just. <laughs> She had to like reach into the middle of the table to roll the die. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's great because like during when I go over the previously on during our our games, she's like, okay, I, she's choosing her dice. So she digs in the bag, pulls it out, rolls it. If it doesn't roll well, she throws it back in the bag and picks another one out. <laughs> dice goblins, they're they're everywhere. There's plenty at your own table. Hey, I'm, I'm a proud dice goblin. Yeah, proud. I got three. I got the I got three sets of their dice and miscellaneous that's sitting next to me right now <laughs> i am full-blown dice goblin oh yeah um so definitely go check this one out uh again we'll tweet it out um on, on friday when the show goes up and check out josh simmons uh twitter account he does some great stuff if you saw the uh <laughs> what was that that tag that was going around the the rpg thoughts or whatever where it's just like i'm just posing real sexy like and i like rpgs he started that <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
So yeah, go check that out. We'll tweet it, and uh, you can be a little dice goblin at your table. Uh, next, we're going to do our champion's loot. This Woo. is the part of the show where we give out a code for idle champions to put in on any of the numerous platforms that it is currently available on. This week's code is A-M-I-A-H-O-S-E-D-U-M-B. Put that code in on any of the numerous platforms, get a free gold chest, and uh, get some good loot and kick evil's butt. Yeah. Now, let's get into our second topic, uh, which is, uh, oh, 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 hey, ah, the rules don't matter. It's my favorite. <laughs> you, you just make stuff up, yeah. just like what I did. It's, you know, <laughs> I've, I'm, it's no secret, um, <laughs> my feelings about rules. <laughs> it was funny because, well, like. What's funny is. We, we, oh, we ahead, first talked about, like, well, what are we going to talk about this? And I said, well, I mean, I've already said I don't, I don't. I don't do rules. <laughs> it's like, well, what else can we say? It's like, well, there's actually quite a bit. Yeah. The, the, I actually thought that this was a, a pretty good compliment to the first one, because really when it came down to it, the first topic was about, if you don't know, just make it up. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this is about too, where if you don't know a rule, just make it up. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. I do it all the time. My players don't even notice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a point in D&D 5th edition, especially, where there's literal rules in the book that say, make up the rules. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's one of the the uh, biggest RPGs to, to kind of embrace that, where they're saying, like, if it's not in the book, just kind of make a decision on what feels best and go for it. And, like... I personally apply that to even if it's in the book and I want things to carry on, I make a decision and I go for it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there was that tweet earlier, uh, I think last week that was saying like the rules, like who you don't have to know all the rules to play D&D. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times have we sat down uh, like at the bookstore and kids would come in with no dice, nothing and be like, I want to play, but I don't know how. And you're just like, it's fine. I can I can show you. <laughs> there, there there was that dude that was like watching my table play, and I was like, "You want to join?" And a little bit later, he sat down the table. I'm like, "All right, let's freaking go." Mm-hmm. He didn't know a damn thing about this game. No. All he knew is that he'd heard Dungeons and Dragons on Stranger Things one time. That's all he knew, <laughs> and we had a blast playing it. The the, the, the it's definitely the uh, it is a hundred percent whose line is it anyways. The experience points are made up, and the rules don't matter uh <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean like the in the end D fifth edition is is really just a storytelling medium um yeah and it's just it's just the the way that the story is told it's just the uh mm. instead of you know television shows being shown on a television you're able to tell this story through an rpg that's just kind of yeah. how it I is i mean that's why people tune into the freaking Critical Role every week. That's that's their TV show. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they're watching. Yeah. And you know, playing it is your way of like acting out your favorite TV show. But your favorite TV show is you. <laughs> <laughs> you and your friends, canon. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So but, it's like, but why don't, why don't we there, talk there's about people like, like us? Oh. oh God. I was gonna say there's people like us, but then there's people that aren't like us. <laughs> yes, there are um funny enough uh my lovely boyfriend is one of those peoples <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know if we were gonna call spencer out like that i'm, but all right, I'm gonna call here. him out <laughs> spencer if you're listening you're getting called out um he has a tendency yeah no i'm 100 love um but he has a tendency to uh kind of almost slightly put a halt to the game give me a look and say are you sure <laughs> <laughs> because and then he will start immediately picking up the books that are right next to him and flipping through pages and i'll mm-hmm. kind of look at him and be like yes it's this way and he'll be like but that doesn't make any sense and so we'll have kind of a back and forth moment and eventually because of just how we both operate we come to an agreement <laughs> yeah um but you know that's being in a relationship it's great um so it's like it, there's people that need those rules um they feel like mm-hmm. It's the rules are there to really kind of hammer out things and keep things balanced and make sure that the game can operate to its best efficiency. Mm-hmm. Not wrong. 
if I knew all the rules, oh my god, I'm sure this game would work flawlessly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh- <laughs> like, apparently there's this rule where even if you have dark vision, you're still supposed to roll with, like, disadvantage. It's, like, some crazy thing that I just don't even think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like... Dude, I'll be honest, half the time I don't even remember darkness, uh, like, it being dark. I don't care. Yeah. It's just mo- movies, they-, they see in the dark. Whatever, that's how it is. Exactly. <laughs> And it's like, if you have to sit there and think, oh gosh, this dungeon hasn't, it's not Skyrim. This dungeon isn't lit up randomly, even though no one's been in here for hundreds of years. Why would this dungeon be lit up? And it's like, no, you have to think about, okay, did anyone bring a torch? No. Okay. What are you even seeing? I can't describe what you're seeing because it's in darkness. And instead you Mm -hmm. can just forego that and take the easy way out like I do usually and just say, no, this is what the room is because it serves the story better. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's usually why I forego a lot of the rules is because the actual flow of the game, not necessarily even storytelling, but like the flow of the game itself. When you're sitting down at a table for four hours, you can't spend an hour of that debating or looking up rules. I I heard the the darkness one argued to me once. Uh, It was like, well, that's, you know, how it's supposed to be so that, you know, because they have to like... Be, be more tactful about what they're doing. I'm just like, yeah, sure, but no one liked Mount Moon and Pokemon Red and Blue. No, like they just <laughs> they just don't. That that's my reasoning for it. And I just you know if if something happens, I'll be like, this place is extremely dark. And then my players will be like, oh, okay, we'll take out a torch. But most of the time, they're not even like worried about it. So I'm like, it, it's fine. Like we still have combat. We still have deadly combat. And I don't have to worry about, oh, don't forget to roll a disadvantage. Oh, don't forget to roll a disadvantage. I'm just like, just take your turn. Do your thing. Look cool. Be, mm-hmm. be you. Oh, and now you've got slammed in the face by that bugbear. So that that probably hurt now, too. Um, yeah. I mean, because, like, imagine in a game where, like you say, there is the, the entire dungeon is dark. And so now your players are having to keep track of their light source. Um, if you're really keeping true to the rules, if they have a lantern, if it's hooded, mm-hmm. how much oil they're burning, how many time they've been in there is a and torch forever. I, I want to say real quick. <laughs> I want to say real quick. Some people find that enjoying and yeah. that's fine. 100%. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that this is the way that I do it and that it's okay if someone else doesn't do that, and if you are in a game that you, that's your jam, you love, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, it's dark. I have to think about which way the torch is like facing. I got to hold it this way. It's going to burn for this long. We've taken this many turns. If that is your jam, all, all power to you. Like, have fun. Do what yeah. you're going to do. But I, I, like, I think what we're, what we're trying to, to say, because we stuck on the darkness thing for quite a bit. It's um, an easy it example. Is, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, is that w- the reason why we say the rules don't matter is because if it breaks that flow, if it breaks that, and I don't really want to use the word, but like immersion, I guess, mm-hmm. it, if it if it breaks that that flow, I think that's the main thing is that flow of the game that can really just kind of take people out. Like it, you know, if you're looking for the rules for too long, someone's taking their phone out, someone's browsing Twitter. Someone's going through Reddit where they were just right there in it. And then, you know, the game stopped for like three minutes to check for a rule. Oh, we couldn't find where it is. Oh, we got to go check it here. Oh, it's this one. All of those other people, they're out. They're gone. They're they're, they're lost in that moment. You're going to have to now work back into getting them into the flow of the game that you already had going. That's my biggest thing for not looking up rules Um, yeah i mean that's kind of the biggest difference between fifth edition and fourth edition is like in fifth edition you're encouraged to not sit there and look up the rules whereas like in fourth edition it's like if someone asks a question one of these 14 books has the answer and odds are since you bought all 14 of those books you know where it's at (laughs) but like (laughs) hopefully yeah the player's handbook the dmg they're not really meant to be read front to cover like cover to back at all they're more of reference books um and for a lot of people they're just you know item books (laughs) (laughs) so it's like not knowing a certain rule until it comes up is totally fine and even then it's like as a dm you can just decide on your own like i mentioned that earlier it's so freeing to just realize that you can decide what you want (laughs) as a dm well not just that though, you I, I have said this statement 
numerous times in my games, which is like, we're going to play it like this for right now. We'll check it out later. And if it's a big deal, we'll play it like that from then on. But for right now, we're going to work it like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially and, and if a player wants to do something cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember uh, in an old Pathfinder game, there were several people at the table that the rules were extremely important to them. And... I was saying, we're just going to do this. We're just going to... And they were gr- grabbing for books, flipping through. I'm like, we're, we're just going to play it like this. And Kyle, <laughs> he, he just... He, uh, he leans forward and he goes, God has spoken! <laughs> <laughs> just accept it for like four minutes until we get through yeah. this turn. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they were like, all right. And they, they got a good laugh. They're like, all right, fine. We'll, we'll do it like this right now. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's like I didn't want to break the, the energy that was going on at the table. Like we were having a good combat in, in anything. There was not a good point for a commercial break. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, because you, you stop be- like having this storytelling moment and you start playing an RPG. And granted, that's not a it bad thing. And it is an RPG. <laughs> But for those people, like, you and I are both very story-oriented when it comes to playing D&D. And if you have to stop playing it an entire way to switch kind of almost games, it's very much, uh, I wouldn't call it, like, immersion-breaking, but it puts a pause in how you play the game. Yeah. And, like, that's just, that's to each their own when it comes to how you play. I mean, some people live for the combat. And they don't really care for the story or what goes on. They just want to go through that dungeon and they want to kick everything's ass through the mm. most efficient way possible. I have yeah. friends and like that. It's totally fine. And that's fine. Yeah. And the thing is, though, is that rules matter to those people even more because they rely on the rules to be efficient. Because, like, if there's no rules, then their character could mean as much as a different character that wasn't built as, quote, efficiently, you could say. So it's like to some mm-hmm. people rules really do matter and when you're when you're if you're shopping for a D&D group <laughs> it's it's important to kind of think about that when you're when you're looking for a group to play in um even if you're oh, looking yeah. for setting up a group with your group of friends like like th- this should be this should be a before session zero conversation where yeah. it's just like hey just as a heads up this is how I run my games or you know if you're a player just like all right how are you on like a rules call like mm-hmm. what what happens if that comes up because I I know uh from stories that I've heard luckily I haven't had really any at the table is like you know fights have broken out because of this sort of stuff arguments and whatnot where it's just like the rules are important the rules are not important and and while I will say that both of those people are valid in their feelings it is really what's important for the group in that moment yeah and so yeah if you are a uh you know someone who the rules are super important to if the rest of the group is chill with it not being a problem right there just let it slide that time mm-hmm. you know bring it up at another point and just be like hey just guys as a heads up this is how that rule is can we play it that way from now on i would appreciate it yeah have that conversation outside of the table and whatnot doesn't need to start an argument there um, and you know what? And the, the same is the other way. If you are at a, a, a table where, you know, you are more lax with how you care about the rules. If, if everyone is reaching for that book, just, just sit back. Yeah. Just sit back. It, it, it's fine. You... I, I've been at that table. <laughs> if there's more than two people reaching for a book, you know, it's going to get fixed within a matter of like a minute anyways. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's the beauty of having more than one person at the table who cares about rules, because it will usually <laughs> be found pretty quickly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I, I don't know. Something the, the, the... I do want to bring up about this uh, entire concept. D and D did introduce the well, they didn't introduce it, but they do heavily partake in the idea that uh, the rules don't necessarily have to matter, and that you as the DM can choose what to do. Um. A lot of people have kind of brought up how that's kind of not a good enough answer when it comes to um, certain problems in the game itself. Mm-hmm. And that's a very valid thought process because you're buying a like $50 book and then you're buying two other $50 books to hopefully help you run this game. Yeah. yeah. And so you're spending $150 on a game and like rule number three says most of the things in this book doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, I get that. And it takes some level of insight to kind of agree with that concept and instead push back the idea of, I just spent $150. What do you mean this doesn't matter? And like D&D doesn't necessarily apologize for that in a weird way. And I'm not saying they need to, but they're very much like people have a call of, if I'm spending this much money on a game, why should it be broken already? Why do I need to fix things? Well, like, I guess fix is, for me, a strong word. There is definitely things in the books that do need fixing, uh, but that is more of a bringing up to modern standards sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but as far as the rules go, I it, it's, it, it's kind of like this for me. You... You know, back in the day, you know, you'd get, uh, you know, Spider-Man for N64. You go in there, pop in a cheat code. Mm-hmm. You play like that. You still had fun. Yeah. Granted, they did put that in there. But still, like, that that wasn't the way the game was intended to be played. But you had fun doing it. Yeah. So, it's, like, I, I, don't, uh, I don't agree with, like, the whole, like, oh, well, you know, if I'm buying this book, like, it should, you know, I shouldn't have to do anything with it. I mean, if you're doing it, if you're looking at it that way, uh, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, it, this might not be the game for you then, and that's okay. But, you know, I, I, I can't imagine sitting down and using these books as written and staying firmly to them without making up some fun, well, making up some stuff for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, and, I, and that makes it sound like I'm saying Dungeons Dragons isn't fun. It is. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of like what I'm getting at the point at is like, if you do like in order to fit your play style, you feel like you can't play by the rules because neither of us do really. Yeah. So it's like at that point is raw D and D fun for us. You know, that's the kind of question that I've asked myself. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I, I I think in in the right situation, yeah. Like what? Okay, let me put it this way: raw D and D is kind of why I've avoided Adventure League. And granted, you know the 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 hellscape year that we're in that doesn't really matter right now. <laughs> um, but like that's kind of one of the things that has kept me away from it because I'm like, I don't know if I want to play that way, and that's how it is there. And I and I think a lot of the and a lot of those stories i was talking about earlier with the like arguments at a table came up at adventure leagues Mm -hmm. because there it is super important like this topic is blasphemy (laughs) to adventure league um yeah and but like that that's the thing though it's like that has to be that way because there has to be it would be absolutely insane if every table at an adventure league had a different rule set, had a different like, oh, well, at this table, you can take a healing potion as a bonus action. This table, no, 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 it's a standard action. This one, you want to draw something and drink it in the same turn, you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, that, that they have to do it that way. But uh, it, it's, yeah, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know all the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. I, I, I'm sure there are still ones in the book that I would read today and just go, huh, didn't know. Yeah, no, I <laughs> um, do that constantly. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I I don't, I, like going back to the, the original thing of like, it, you know, you're buying these books for this expensive and then you still have to put work into them. I mean, to be fair, you do still have to put work into them regardless of changing any rules. Sitting down, reading these, converting these to memory, knowing how to explain these to players, that's work. Mm-hmm. When, when when you are going to sit down and run a pre-written adventure and you need to figure out how your players got into this situation, how they all met up, what story beat's going to work best for them, that's work. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, though, is... I find that fun and I find finding new ways to do things that keep my players engaged or elevate their level of fun as fun for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm just a little different there, I guess, for those people. Oh yeah. I mean, like my number one rule at the table, (laughs) speaking of rules is have fun. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And so it's like, if the D and D rule of, if there's a rule that you don't like, don't do it. It's just rule number one for me. If if no one's having fun keeping track mm-hmm. of their inventory, we're not going to do it. <laughs> you know, if no one's yeah. enjoying keeping track of if they have dark vision or what they, to do in the darkness, 
we're not going to worry about it. So it's like, it's, it's just a matter of how your table plays. And yeah, you are investing yeah. into this RPG, but as we mentioned in the earlier segment, like it's all just guidelines for how you'd want to mm-hmm. tell your story. Cause that's what D and D fifth edition yeah. is. It's just a, a chance. It's just an example of a medium to tell a story with your friends. Yeah. It is the framework uh, to which you're, you're, you're telling these stories. Cause like, like going, going back to the game analogy, I don't sit down at the table and hit an on switch. Like there's nothing about those books that turns on, that makes D and D play mm-hmm. every, you and everyone at your table is what makes D and D play. Yeah. So you get to decide how that runs. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Do whatever. Do do what you want. Have fun. That's what I, I'm just gonna be back over here. Just have fun. Do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> With my squeaky chair. Um, it won't be squeaky for long. Uh, but uh, you you got anything else that you want to talk about on this topic? No. Um, like I said. Uh, just keep in mind that you're there to have fun with friends or other people that want to have fun as well. So keep that in mind whenever you're figuring out if you want to play by the rules or not. Your fun is valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is going to be where we end this episode. Uh, if uh, you have any suggestions for topics or, you know, things for us to talk about, things you want us to try doing on the show, uh, hell, you want us to try like a trivia game or something, you want <laughs> us to make some dungeons, some monsters or something live on air, send it to difficultyclass at gmail.com. We'd love to read them. We love to check them out. We'd love to get new things going in the show each week. Uh, if you would like to support this show, the best way to do it is to leave a review on the podcast service of your choice whatever you're listening to right now take your phone out of your pocket go down there swipe down hit the five stars be like hey i love these people they're real cool uh, i i i you know I'm, I'm i'm neat too hit send send it away um <laughs> uh we would really appreciate if any of you did do that uh we've now gone over a year without a new written review and it, you know just having some updates on there you know let people know now it's still a good show uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong i appreciate kyle selling everyone that he really loved my tomb of annihilation review but you know some updated ones i'm i would appreciate uh <laughs> um if you want to keep up to date with the show the best place to do that is on twitter on instagram uh twitter is at difficulty class and uh instagram is at difficulty podcast uh but yeah until next week have a good game